الحمد لله رب العالمين له الحمد الحسن والثناء الجميل وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له يقول الحق وهو يهدي السبيل وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه والتابعين لهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين أما بعد وإن شرح عن the explanation of the kitab القواعد الأربع written by Sheikh Muhammad Ibn Abdul Wahab رحمه الله تعالى This is our second class and in the previous class the author رحمه الله's مقدمة we took we spoke about المقدمة النافعة the beneficial introduction that the author رحمه الله gave في بداية رسالة القواعد at the beginning of these four principles. And that what he spoke about was, number one, خطر الشرك. He spoke about the dangers of shirk. ووجوب الحذر منه and how important it is and mandatory that we stay away from shirk. The third thing that he spoke about is ووجوب فهم التوحيد. The importance of understanding التوحيد. The way that we understand it to be Fahman Sahihan, a correct understanding. Some people they think they have the understanding of a Tawheed, but what they have understanding of is opposite to Tawheed, not Tawheed itself. And Shaykh al Islam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab, there are two things that he's criticized for by his opponents. His staunch enemies, they criticize the Imam for two main things. And once you take this risala, those two things will become clear to you. The first thing that they criticize him for is قتالهم, how he fought them. These people who have this ideology of idol worshipping or grave worshipping. So the first thing is قتالهم, he fought them. Rahimahullah ta'ala. And the second criticism that is directed at the Imam is تكفيرهم إياه أما تكفيره إياهم How he placed takfir on them. And consider them to be not from the Muslims. So once you take this risala, everything will make sense to you. And you can then realize what the Imam did is in line with what the Prophet ﷺ was upon. Not just Nabiullah Muhammad, but even the Prophets that came before that. These four qawaid will remove the doubt of those two issues that are brought up all the time. So let's start with the first qa'idah, which is al-qa'idah al-ula, the first principle. To know that the kufar who killed the Prophet ﷺ are the believers, the Imam he started in his first principle to say the disbelievers in which the Messenger ﷺ fought. And the Prophet ﷺ, he fought the disbelievers. He fought them He fought them with um, knowledge and the Quran. He used the Quran against them. And he also fought them through the sword. ﷺ. Both of those are the qital and the way that the Prophet ﷺ fought them. Qawluhu ta'ala, the statement of Allah. يَا أَيُّهَا النَّبِيُّ جَاهِدِ الْكُفَّارَ وَالْمُنَافِقِينَ وَاغْلُضْ عَلَيْهِمْ وَمَأْوَاهُمْ جَهَنَّمُ وَبِئْسَ الْمَصِيرِ 
That ayah is Makkiya bitifaqil mufassirin. It's an ayah that came down in Mecca by unanimous agreement of the scholars. And the ayah says, Ya yannabiyu jahidil kuffara. It's a Meccan ayah by unanimous agreement of the scholars. And the Messenger was not commanded to fight in Mecca. There's no jihad in Mecca. So what does it mean, Ya yannabiyu jahidil kuffara? It means a bisinan. Fight them with knowledge and bayan and hujaj and baraheen. Expose their falsehood. Bring the truth to light. So the qital is those two types. And al-kufara al-ladheena qatalahum rasulullah. The people that the Messenger sallallahu physically fought and verbally fought. What were their situation like? Muqirruna they affirmed anna Allah huwa al-khaliqu al-raziqu al-muhyi al-mumitu al-mudabbiru al-jami'i al-umuri. They believed in what we simply call Tawheed al-Rububiyya. وَلَمْ يُدْخِلْهُمْ ذَلِكَ فِي الْإِسْلَامِ And that did not put them into Islam. Tawheed is categorized into three. The Tawheed, it's categorized into three. And the evidence for the categorization of the Tawheed into three, it is, بتق- is by way of التَّتَبُّعِ وَالْإِسْتِقْرَاءِ And التَّتَبُّعِ وَالْإِسْتِقْرَاءِ means scholars, they follow up the ayat in the Quran, they read it, and they bring out from it a figure. Like what the scholars do when it comes to tahara, they say, Nawaqidhu al wudu is this much. Nawaqidhu al wudu is this much. Shurutu al wudu is this number. Arkanu salah is this number. Where did they get that from? There's no hadith that says Arkanu salah is this much. Or Shurutu al wudu is this much. There's no hadith that says that. What they do is They did um, induction. They followed up the Quran and they followed up the Sunnah and they came to the conclusion that these are the numbers of Shurutu Salah, Arkanu Salah, and etc. So the same was done here for the types of Tawheed. And Tawheed being three types doesn't mean there's three gods. Some people falsely believe or ignorantly believe that those who say that there are three types of Tawheed they're in essence saying Trinity no that's not true they're saying the oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is done in three ways and it's taken from the Quran it's found in Surah Al-Fatiha where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he says Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen Al-Rububiyyah Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim Al-Asma'i Wa-Sifat Allah's names and attributes. Ar-Rahman is the name of Allah and it's a characteristics in there, in it. In there as well. Ar-Rahman and Ar-Rahim. Ar-Rahman, Sifatu Ar-Rahma is in there. And Ar-Rahim, Sifatu Ar-Rahma is in there as well. So there are two names with two characteristics. Or one characteristics. Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim. Maliki Yawmiddin Iyaka na'budu wa iyaka nasta'in. Iyaka na'budu wa iyaka nasta'in is the third type of tawheed, which is what? Tawheed al-uluhiyyah. Iyaka na'budu wa iyaka nasta'in is the third type of tawheed, which is tawheed al-uluhiyyah. Also, it's found in Surah Maryam, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says in one ayah, رَبُّ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ وَمَا بَيْنَهُمَا سُرْبُبِيَةِ فَعْبُدُهُ وَاسْطَبِرْ لِعِبَادَتِهِ الْأُلُوهِيَةِ هَلْ تَعْلَمُ لَهُ سَمِيَّةِ تَوْحِيدُ الْأَسْبَاءِ وَالصِّفَاتِ One ayah 
There are those three in there. Great scholars in Al-Islam, before Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab, before Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taybiyah, affirm the categorization of At-Tawheed into three. Al-Imam Abu Hanifa rahimahullah, he affirmed the Tawheed to be three. As you can find it in his kitab Al-Fiqh Al-Akbar. Also Al-Imam Ibn Jarir Al-Tabari rahimahullah. Ibn Batta rahimahullah. And many other Imams in Islam. Way before Ibn Taymiyyah and Ibn Abdul Wahab affirmed the Tawheed to be three. Rather brothers and sisters, taqseem al-Tawheed ila thalathati aqsamin Categorizing the Tawheed into three is something that even the Asha'ira never ever denied before as well. The ta- categorization of the Tawheed to be three types, the Ash'ari group also did it as well. They affirmed it. They're in essence not really against what the Asha'ira in essence are really against is not the categorization of Tawheed into three. They don't reject that. In their own works, they categorize Tawheed. Bayjuri done it, Ibrahim al-Laqani did it, Abu Bakr ibn Fawraq did it, Baqillani did it, Abu Ali al-Jwaini did it, Abu Hamid al-Ghazali did it. What they're against is their categorization of a Tawheed only revolves around a particular type of Tawheed. It revolves around one particular type of Tawheed, and that is Tawheed al-Rububiyyah. For them, their categorization of Tawheed revolves around Allah's names and attributes and Tawheed al-Rububiyyah. So for them, Tawheed al-Uluhiyyah is not in their three categorization of a Tawheed. It's not in there. So what they're against is not the categorization but what they are against is the presence of Tawheedul Uluhiyah for us. And I hope you understand this issue because it, sa- it saves you from a lot of back and forth. They cloak it with an argument of where did you get the categorization from? Who preceded you in this categorization? And if you bring it to them, they still won't take it from you because their categorization of a Tawheed in the three categorization that they set it is not in there. Tawheedul Uluhiyyah is not in there. And so that's the one they are against. And let's see if they have the rights to be against that. So let's explain each of those three Tawheeds, inshaAllah ta'ala. Tawheedul Rububiyyah, in simple terms, is to believe Allah is Al-Khaliq, Al-Raziq, and Al-Mudabbir. There's a reason why I chose those three. We're going to go into it, inshallah ta'ala. Tawheed al-Rububiyyah means Allah is al-Khaliq, al-Raziq, and al-Mudabbir. And some scholars, they say, is ifradullahi bi-af'alihi. It is to single Allah, tabarak wa ta'ala, in the actions Allah does. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He has actions which He does. And those actions of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we single him in it. And those actions go back to three. 
as I just mentioned, which is Al-Khaliqur Raziqul Mudabbir. In Tawheed al-Rububiyyah, you have to believe in those three. Why? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala being Al-Khaliq means He brought you into this universe when you never existed. Min Adam, you never ever existed before. From nothing, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brought you into this world. So He's Al-Khaliq. And the second one is He is Al-Raziq. Al-Raziq means He provides for you. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He provides for you. He gives you provision and rizq, what to eat. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the third one is Al-Mudabbir. He runs this universe, controls it. He brings benefit and harm to the creation. Al-Naf'a wa dur He brings it to the creation. The evidence for Al-Khalq is Ala lahu al-Khalq wal-Amru. That's the evidence for Allah Taala being the creator. Also, قَوْلُوا تَعَالَى وَمَا خَلَقَتُ وَمَا خَلَقَتُ الْجِنَّ وَالْإِنسَ إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُونَ is evidence for Allah Taala creating us. فَتَبَارَكَ اللَّهُ أَحْسَنُ الْخَالِقِينَ is an evidence Allah created us Subhanahu wa Taala. لكن ألا له الخلق والأمر and the evidence that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala He created the creation is ألا له الخلق والأمر and the evidence that he subhanahu wa ta'ala he provides for the creation is قُلْ مَنْ يَرْزُقُكُمْ مِنَ السَّمَاءِ وَالْأَرْضِ Also, مَا أُرِيدُ مِنْهُمْ مِنْ رِزْقٍ وَمَا أُرِيدُ أَنْ يُطْعِمُونَ إِنَّ اللَّهَ هُوَ الرَّزَّاقُ ذُو الْقُوَّةِ الْمَتِينَ The evidence for mudabbir that Allah ta'ala controls the universe is وَمَنْ يُدَبِّرُ الْأَمْرَ فَسَيَقُولُونَ اللَّهِ وَمَنْ يُدَبِّرُ الْأَمْرَ Who runs this universe and controls it? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And also, Allah lahu al-khalqu wal-amru, al-amru enters tadbir. These three is the essence of Tawheed al-Rububiyyah. Tawheed al-Rububiyyah goes back to these three. Al-khalqu wal-razqu, amu wal-rizqu, wal-mudabbir. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He is al-khaliq, the creator. The provider, he provides subhanahu wa ta'ala and he runs the affairs of his creation. That's the first tawheed, tawheed al-rububiyyah. That type of tawheed, Quraysh believed in it. Kuffar Quraysh. That the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam fought in the battle of Badr and Uhud and all the other battles. All of them believed in tawheed al-rububiyyah. They all believed in Tawheed al-Rububiyyah. That Allah is the creator, the sustainer, and the provider. And the one who runs this universe, controls it. They never denied this. The author is going to bring the evidences for that, inshallah ta'ala. Whenever he claims something, the shaykh, he gives evidence for that. So if they believed Allah is al-Khaliq, al-Raziq, and al-Mudabbir, why did the Prophet fight with them then? Why did he label them as disbelievers? Why are they going to be in the hellfire forever? Why? If these Kufar Quraysh believed that Allah is Al-Khaliq, Al-Raziq, and Al-Mudabbir, why are they, are they considered Kufar? Why are they going to be from the dwellers of the hellfire? Why did he fight with them, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam? 
we'll find out. The second type of Tawheed is called Tawheedul Uluhiyah. Tawheedul Uluhiyah is to single Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the actions that we do. The actions that we do, we're going to single Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the action. Tawheedul Uluhiyah means that. We sing him subhanahu wa ta'ala in ibadah. The acts of worship that we do, we do it only for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is the one that there was the dispute between the Prophet and his people, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. This is the one they didn't want to affirm. This is the one that they wanted to reject, which is Tawheedul Uluhiyah. Ifradullahi, singling Allah tabarak wa ta'ala bi af'ali al-ibad. The, action, the slaves singling the, uh, the actions that they do, the actions they come with, they single Allah for it, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Only for him, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah says in the Quran, فَدْعُوا اللَّهَ مُخْلِصِينَ لَهُ الدِّينَةِ فَدْعُوا اللَّهَ means what? Worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, مُخْلِصًا لَهُ الدِّينَ Doing it for him alone. A dua comes from who? It comes from the creation, right? The dua comes from the creation. Allah is saying to the creation, do it with sincerity. Yani don't do it for anyone else except for me. This ayah is a proof that we single Allah in the actions that we do. With our ibadat, we do it for him alone. We don't do it for, we don't do it for a Nabi which was sent as a messenger or a prophet that was sent. And we don't do it for an angel that is close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We don't. لا ملك مقرب ولا نبي مرسل. If we don't do it for those two, an angel that Allah Taala loves, like Jibreel, and a messenger that was sent. If we can't do it for them, who else can we do it for? No one else. We can't do it for them. فَدْعُوا اللَّهَ وَأَشْبَعَ اللَّهَ مُخْلِصًا لَهُ الدِّينَ Sincerely doing the religion for him. Do it sincerely for him, Subhanahu wa Taala. The second, the third type of Tawheed, the third type is called Tawheedul Asma'i Wasifat. Allah has names and he has attributes. We single for him, subhanahu wa ta'ala, those names and those attributes, subhanahu wa ta'ala. We single him for it. We don't associate Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala partners in those names and those attributes. Why is it that Kufaru Quraysh affirmed Tawheedul Rububiyyah but they chose not to affirm Tawheedul Uluhiyyah? Why? Let's answer the first one, which is why did they affirm Tawheedul Rububiyyah? The reason why they affirm Tawheedul Rububiyyah is because Al Fitrah, the natural disposition, calls for Tawheedul Rububiyyah. The Fitrah calls for that, necessitates that. The second reason that they were able to is because they affirmed Tawheed al-Rububiyyah is because their uqul, their aql, and their thinking process, and their rationality believed in that. They were rationally convinced in Tawheed al-Rububiyyah. They were rationally convinced in Tawheed al-Rububiyyah. ولذلك الله سبحانه وتعالى هي سيد القرآن ولا إن سألتهم if you ask them من خلقهم who created them if you ask them who created you 
لا يقولون الله فأنا يؤفكون الله سبحانه وتعالى is said if they were asked who created you they will say Allah سبحانه وتعالى affirm that he's a creator Allah سبحانه وتعالى said also if you say to them ولا إن سألتم من خلق السماوات والأرض وسخر الشمس والقمر لا يقولون الله they will say to Allah does all of that يعني who does تدبير of this world who created the samawat and the ard who also controls the sun and the moon they will say to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala فَأَنَّا يُؤْفَكُونَ وَلَئِنْ سَأَلْتَمْ if you ask them مَنْ نَزَّلَ مِنَ السَّمَاءِ مَا and who sent down from the sky water who's sending this rain down if you ask them who did this they will say to you فَحْيَا بِهِ الْأَرْضَ and then gave life to this earth with that rain they will say to you مِنْ بَعْدِ مَوْتِهَا they will say to you, La Allah. Allah did that. If you ask them, who sent down this rain? And who is the one who's given life to this vegetation through the rain that he has sent? They will say to Allah, He's doing all of that. They won't claim that for themselves or they will not even claim it for their idols. Ani Tawheedul Rububiyah was well established for them. They believed in it. Also, Allah Ta'ala, He said, Qul man min as who is the one who is providing for you from the sky? Wal-ardi and the earth. Who is doing it? Who is the one who governs and controls the hearing and the seeing? Who is the one who brings one that is alive from one that is dead? And brings the one that is dead from the one that is alive. Who is the one who controls everything? Allah says, فَسَيَقُولُونَ اللَّهِ They will say to Allah, does all of that. Then say to them, فَقُلْ أَفَلَا تَتَّقُونَ أَفْعَالُ الرُّبُوبِيَةِ All of them. They affirm it for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. With that being said, the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he fought them. With that being said, Nabiullah Muhammad fought them sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The reason for that is because they didn't come with the second type of Tawheed, which was Tawheedu Al-Uluhiyyah. They didn't come with that type. And that was what was required from them. That was what was needed from them. Rather, brothers and sisters, Ibn Al-Qayyim, he says, Khusumatul Rusul, the disputes and argumentations between prophets and their nations, was, he says, في توحيد الألوهية إن توحيد الألوهية وقل من البشر ابن القيم says it's very little from the creation it's very little from the creation أن يوجد من ينكر أفعال الله ابن القيم says it's very little to find to find a person who's going to reject the actions of Allah سبحانه وتعالى rare وَلِذَلَكَ اللَّهُ تَبَارَكُ وَتَعَالَى He says وَقَالُوا هِيَا وَقَالُوا مَا هِيَا إِلَّا حَيَاتُنَا الدُّنْيَا نَمُوتُ وَنَحْيَا وَمَا يُهْلِكُنَا إِلَّا الدَّهْرَ Yujat, there are people who believed in this. يعني rejecting Tawheed al-Rububiyyah. Some of them they said that. وَقَالُوا مَا هِيَا إِلَّا حَيَاتُنَا الدُّنْيَا This is the life that we live in this dunya. نَمُوتُ we will die. وَنَحْيَا and we will live. وَمَا يُهْلِكُنَا إِلَّا الدَّهْرَ the Dahriyun, atheists. They rejected the action of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which is 
الإماتة والإحياء and also the one who rejected Tawheed al-Rububiyyah from the outer of course remember rejecting Tawheed al-Rububiyyah from the inner is hard because it's, it's planted in the fitrah is Fir'aun from the outer he said Ana rabbukumul a'la. I am the supreme lord he claimed it even though Allah Ta'ala told us in his heart Fir'aun did not believe in this وَجَحَدُوا بِهَا from the open وَاسْتَيْقَلَتَا أَنفُسٌ ظُلْمًا وَعُلُوًا Also Fir'aun when he claimed that he's عَلَى رَبُّكُمُ الْأَعْلَى Musa when he came up to him and he said to him لَقَدْ عَلِمْتَ مَا أَنزَلَهَا أُولَا إِلَّا رَبُّ السَّمَاوَاتِ Fir'aun you know You've, you have knowledge that no one has sent this down except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You know that. So those two ayat show that Fir'aun did believe in Tawheed al-Rububi in his heart. But from the outer he was showing that he didn't. Which is called juhud. Juhud is you believe something else in your heart, but what you show and you manifest is different to what you believe in your heart. So Tawheed al-Rububiyyah isn't the fight and the discussion and the dialogue between majority of prophets and their people. It's not. So the author, rahimahullah, what does he want in this qa'idah, the first qa'idah? What is he trying to draw? What is he, what's the point that he's trying to bring to our attention? It is that Tawheed al-Rububiyyah by itself is not enough. This is what he's trying to tell you. He's trying to say to you, Tawheed al-Rububiyyah wahdahu la yakfi. By itself is not enough. And what he's trying to point out as well is that the ignorance of this, the ignorance of what? That Tawheed al-Rububiyya is not enough. The ignorance of this, Islam, has become unclear to so many people who claim Islam. And in many Muslims today believe Tawheed al-Rububiyya is enough. In other words, La ilaha illallah, to them means what? Tawheed al-Rububiyya. That's what it means. When in reality, La ilaha illallah is what? It's La ma'buda bihaqqin illallah. That there is none worthy of worship except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Which is Tawheedul Uluhiyah. La ilaha illallah is Tawheedul Uluhiyah. Because anyone who says La ilaha illallah is Tawheedul Uluhiyah has already accepted Tawheedul Rububiyah as we mentioned previously. Yani anyone who affirms Tawheedul Uluhiyah has by default affirmed Tawheedul Rububiyah. But the one who affirms Tawheedul Rububiyah hasn't necessarily affirmed Tawheedul Uluhiyah. And that's important. So La ilaha illallah is what? Tawheedul? Tawheedul Uluhiyah. Because inside Tawheedul Uluhiyah is a prerequisite for it. You cannot have affirmed Tawheedul Uluhiyah unless you have affirmed Tawheedul Rububiyah. But if you've affirmed Tawheed al-Rububiyyah, it doesn't mean you've affirmed Tawheed al-Uluhiyyah. It doesn't mean that. Yani a person can come with Tawheed al-Uluhiyyah, Tawheed al-Rububiyyah, without having come with Tawheed al-Uluhiyyah. So the author here is trying to say, coming with Tawheed al-Rububiyyah alone is not enough. And many people are ignorant of that. They think it's enough. Tawheed al-Rububiyyah is enough. That's what they believe. And they say that it's enough for a person to affirm Allah is the creator, the sustainer, the provider. And they say, La ilaha illallah, that's what it means. And what we say to them is that you're wrong. La ilaha illallah is what? 
It is ifradullahi bil ibadah. It is to single Allah Taala in your action of worship, your worship that you are slave doing. You single Allah Taala in it. And this is where the biggest discussion is going on right now, till today, this moment. The dispute is this: that if a person comes with tawhid al rububiyah, is that enough to make him a believer, a Muslim, or does that render him of being a Muslim? And this is the discussion. And that's what the author Rahimahullah here is arguing. Now he brings his baraheen and evidences. Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab is now going to bring his proofs and evidences that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala affirmed in the Quran that the kuffar of Quraysh affirmed in Tawheed al-Rububiyah. Muhammad Abdul Wahab, he needs evidence. He's not a proof himself. The qa'ida is The statements of the scholars are not a proof in and within itself. The scholar requires and needs evidences for his statements, his points, his arguments. He needs to bring proof for it. And the proofs are the Quran and the Sunnah and the Ijma'ah. So we say to Muhammad Abdul Wahab, where's your evidence? What's the proof for claiming and the kuffar that the Prophet fought against were believing to Hidr Rububiyah. Where is your evidence for this? He now brings his evidence, Rahimahullah. He brings his evidence. And now he has to bring evidence for two things, by the way. That the kuffar of Quraysh believed. The kuffar of Quraysh believed in Tawhidur Rububiyah. That's number one. That's the first evidence we want. The second thing that he mentioned is. It does not bring you into Islam if you come with Tawheed al-Rububiyah. Which basically both are one and the other. So let him bring us, bring us his evidence. The first evidence that he brings us is the statement of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala where he says, قُلْ مَنْ يَرْزُقُكُمْ Who is the one who provides for you? مِنَ السَّمَاءِ وَالْأَرْضِ From the sky and the earth. أَمَّنْ يَمْلِكُ السَّمْعَ وَالْأَبَصَارَ and the one who controls and owns the hearing and the seeing. The one that brings uh, one that is alive from what? From one that is dead. And he brings one is, which is dead from one that, which is alive. Who does that? Who controls everything? They will say to Allah, does that all? Fakul say to them, Muhammad, Afala Tattakuna, do you not take a shield from shirk? Afala Tattakuna here means Afala Tattakuna Shirka. Islami. Why don't you take a shield from shirk? Protect yourself from shirk. And come into Islam. Why don't you do that? After you've affirmed to Eidul Rububiyah. This is the evidence for Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab. This ayah has proven the b- both both his points. How? The ayah is talking about قُلْ مَنْ يَرْزُقُكُمْ قُلْ here is talking to the Kufar Quraysh. Say to, sorry, to Muhammad to say to Kufar Quraysh. The Prophet to speak to Kufar Quraysh. To say to them مَنْ يَرْزُقُكُمْ مِنَ السَّمَاءِ وَالْأَرْضِ Who provides to, for you from the sama and the ard. And then it, the ayah proved that when they were asked these questions, who is the one who provides for you? Who is the, bring, who the one who brings the, the one that is alive from the one that is dead? And the one that is dead from the one that is alive? Who does all of this? 
They responded by saying Allah. From that point we understood they are affirming Tawheed al-Rububiyyah. That's the first part of the ayah that he used. That Kufaru Quraysh that the Prophet fought believed in Tawheed al-Rububiyyah. Where is the evidence of where he says وَلَمْ يُدْخِلْ مُدَالِكَ فِي الْإِسْلَامِ It's the last part which is فَقُلْ أَفَلَا تَتَّقُونَ قُلْ أَفَلَا تَتَّقُونَ means أَيْ أَفَلَا تَتَّقُونَ الشِّرْكَ Are you not going to take a shield from shirk? يعني you're still mushrikin. Why don't you after this take a shield from shirk? يعني you are consistently still upon shirk what the ayahs try to say to them. وَتَدْخُلُونَ فِي الْإِسْلَامِ And you enter into Islam. Why don't you enter into Islam? That's what أَفَلَا تَتَّقُونَ here is meant by. So the ayah proved that the Quraysh وَمُقِرِّينَ بِتَوْحِيدُ الرَّبُوبِيَةِ They affirmed Tawheedul Rububiyyah and it also proves for us that it did not enter them into Islam by coming with Tawheedu uh, Rububiyyah. Some might come and say, but okay, wait. Are you saying that Quraysh have Tawheed? By saying that they have Tawheed Rububiyyah means they are saying they have Tawheed. We say to that person two points. When you say they have Tawheed, it's wrong the way that you're constructing your words. The reason is because when you say that Kufaru Quraysh have Tawheed, Itlaqu Tawheed yaqa'u ala Tawheed, Tawheed al-Uluhiyya. When you say Tawheed unrestrictedly, it refers to Tawheed al-Uluhiyya, not Tawheed al-Rububiyya. For example, when I say Fulan is a Muwahid, I'm not referring to someone who has Tawheed al-Rububiyya. I'm talking about someone who has Tawheed al-Uluhiyya. Itlaqu Tawheed. Is referring to Tawheed al-Uluhiyya. Ibn Abdul Wahab, when he wrote his Kitab, Kitab al-Tawheed, his whole book he's focusing on Tawheed al-Uluhiyya. He's not focusing on Tawheed al-Rububiyya. Rather, when he defined Tawheed, he defined it as Tawheed. He said, Tawheed ifradullahi bil-ibadah. That's what he defined it as. And Tawheed is not ifradullahi bil-ibadah. It is Tawheed is ifradullahi bihaqihi. Singling Allah in his rights. And his rights are his own actions, our actions, and his names and attributes. But he defined Tawheed to mean the most important one, which is Al-Uluhiyya, the one that Quraysh refused. So what we say to the person is, don't say Kufaru Quraysh came with Tawheed. Because when you say Tawheed, it's referring to Uluhiyya, and that's not what they came with. The second thing we say to them is, if what you mean is that they came with Tawheed al-Rububiyya, then Allah affirmed that in the Quran for them. Allah Taala He said in the Quran, "وَمَا يُؤْمِنُ أَكْثَرُهُمْ بِاللَّهِ إِلَّا وَهُمْ مُشْرِكُونَ." Allah affirmed for them iman and shirk at the same time. And the iman that Allah affirmed for them here was what al-rububiyyah, and the shirk that He affirmed for them was in uluhiyah. And it is min aqidat ahl sunnah an al-iman wal-kufra, iman and kufr can combine in someone. Iman and kufr can both combine in someone. What can't combine for you is Aslul Kufr and Aslul Iman. Both of them can't be. Like a person might have Shu'ab min Shu'ab al-Kufri. A branch from the branches of Kufr can be present in you whilst you still have Iman. That's Muqarrar fi kutubi Ahli Sunnati wal Jama'ah. The Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam fought these people Whilst they believed in Tawheed al-Rububiyyah and it is not enough to hold on to Tawheed al-Rububiyyah and define Tawheed al-Rububiyyah to be 
the meaning of La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah. That's deficiency in the definition or the meaning of La ilaha illallah. And many of the mutakallimin, they suffered from this problem. This is where the problem come to, came to them, which La ilaha illallah only became Tawheed al So for them, anyone who's worshipping graves is not a mushrik to them, he's a Muslim. There's nothing wrong with him, because he's come with Tawheed. He's come with La ilaha illallah. But what we say is that he hasn't come with La ilaha illallah. And so this is the first principle that the author, rahimahullah, here mentioned. Al-Qa'idatul Thaniyah. We're now going to go into the second Qa'idah. In this Qa'idah, the author, rahimahullah, is going to clarify that the pagans and the polytheists that the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, fought, their shirk is, is even lighter, and their shirk is easier, yani lighter, than the shirk of the mushrikeen today. And he also explains to us here that the purpose of their shirk, the qasad, the maqsad of their shirk, was not to ultimately stick to these things that they are worshipping. That wasn't their ultimate goal. Their goal was Allah, and this was a stepping stone. Ibn Abdul Wahab wants to show the early mushrikeen they weren't worshipping their idols because they believed that their idols istiqlal and independently can benefit or harm them. No, they didn't. They saw these idols as to be what? Or even independent or independently. Quraysh believed that these idols are a stepping stone for me. For who? Allah. Is Allah the one I want? Our, today, the ones we have today, idol, grave worshippers, they believe that this wali can benefit them and harm them, independent from Allah. A lot of them believe that. And some of them believe they are in partnership with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in benefiting and harming, which is a harming though. Tawheed al-Rububiyyah. Tawheed al-Rububiyyah is al-Mudabbir. Al-Mudabbir is the one who governs and controls and brings benefit and harm. Quraysh believe that is for Allah. Allah is alone in that. The reason why Kufaru Quraysh worshipped these idols was for what reason? What was their purpose? Their purpose was two reasons. To get nearness and intercession. That's why they did it. Their reason was what? Nearness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And intercession. That's what the idols were there for. For them. The author Rahimullah says, Annahum yaquluna, they will stay said. Annahum yaquluna, the kuffar and the mushrikuna, they say, Ma da'awnahum, shirkul dua. We don't associate partners in our calling. Why did the author Rahimullah here say, Ma da'awnahum? Pay attention here. The reason for that is because the majority of people, when it comes to their act of worship, there are many acts of worship. Sujood. All these acts of worship. Why did the author specifically choose dua? Because the majority of the people in the world today, the foundation of their shirk is from dua, supplication. Ibn al-Qayyim, he says, Aslu shirk al-alam 
the foundation of many people's shirk, he says in Madarib Salikin, is what? Shirk dua Shirk in dua Sorry to the people. You rarely find someone um, praying for someone else. And he prays salah for this person. Yani worshipping this person in salah. Doing the qiyam, the ruku, and the sujood. You find it, there's a lot. Like not as much as the dua. They call on to. So that's why the author Allah chose it. Because it's the aslu shirk al alam. The foundation of many people's shirk is this. It is more than adhabhu wa nadru li azza wa jalla. And those are a lot as well. Adhabhu wa nadru. Slaughtering. And also making oaths. They are a lot for other than Allah. But they're not as much as shirk dua So that's why the author Allah chose this one. They say, the mushrikeen and the kuffar, they say, مَا دَعُوْنَاهُمْ وَتَوَجَّهْنَا إِلَيْهِمْ We don't beg and we don't direct ourselves to these idols إِلَّا لِطَلَبِ الْقُرْبَةِ وَالشَّفَاعَةِ The reason why we do this is for two reasons. إِلَّا لِطَلَبِ الْقُرْبَةِ Qurba is what? Nearness to Allah. We want this idol that we're worshipping to get us near to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Or whatever they are worshipping. We want nearness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through it. وَالشَّفَاعَةِ means intercession. We want this ma'budat that we're worshipping, what we're worshipping, to intercede on our behalf. Speak to Allah for us. That's what they say. That's their evidence. Mushrikuna were claiming before, and this is a shubha shaytaniya, shubha taken from shaytan, that shaytan threw at them, which is, our sins are a lot. We've done many sins. We can't speak to Allah directly. With the tongues that we sinned and we committed so many crimes, we can't go to Allah directly, subhanahu wa ta'ala. So what do we do? We go to those who are honorable and virtuous and righteous. We go to them. And they will speak to Allah on our behalf. They will speak to Allah for them. And they base their Dua on this. And the second one is al-shafa'a, intercession. The author rahimahullah brought evidences for uh, the qurba and evidence for the shafa'a. Ponder here. The qurba and the shafa'a, before we go into it, they've become arrogant from going to Allah directly. In essence, they have. We can't go to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Let someone else do it. And they go to someone else. Allah says in the Quran, إِنَّ الَّذِينَ يَسْتَكْبِرُونَ عَنْ عِبَادَتِهِ سَيَدْخُلُونَ جَهَنَّمَ دَاخِرِينَ Those people are going to go into the hellfire. The ones who turn away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala begging him. Because the ayah says clearly, وَإِذَا سَأَلَكَ عِبَادِي عَنِّي فَإِنِّي قَرِيبٌ أُجِيبُ دَعْوَةَ الدَّعِي إِذَا دَعَانِ The ayah clearly tells us that to beg Allah wa ta'ala, to call on to him, to supplicate to Allah wa ta'ala, the ones who don't supplicate and choose not to supplicate, Allah referred to them as, إِنَّ الَّذِينَ يَسْتَكْبِرُونَ عَنْ عِبَادَتِي 
يستكبرون arrogant whether they have arrogance in their hearts or not the fact that they've turned away from supplicating to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the ayah applies on them inna ladina yastakbiruna an ibadati sayadkhuluna jahannam dakhirin the person who turns away from begging Allah and chooses to beg someone else falls under this ayah inna ladina yastakbiruna an ibadati sayadkhuluna jahannam dakhirin whether his reason is qurbat or shafa'ah or whether it's any other reason it doesn't matter because the ayah tells you beg me and the Allah ta'ala talked about the ones who beg him and the ones who choose not to beg him so you will fall under those who choose not to beg Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala whatever your reason is it doesn't matter like in Quraysh's reason was what? Al-Qurba they were in nearness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala وَالَّذِينَ اتَّخَذُوا مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ أَوْلِيَاءَ مَا نَعْبُدُوهُمْ إِلَّا لِيُقَرِّبُونَ إِلَى اللَّهِ زُلْفَى they said, وَالَّذِينَ اتَّخَذُوا مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ أَوْلِيَاءَ Those who took besides Allah Taala what awliya? مَا نَعْبُدُهُمْ We do not worship them. Ponder here. مَا نَعْبُدُهُمْ They were doing Tawheedu Al-Shirku Al-Uluhiyya, sorry. مَا نَعْبُدُهُمْ They were doing ibadah for other than Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. مَا نَعْبُدُهُمْ إِلَّا لِيُقَرِّبُونَ إِلَى اللَّهِ زُلْفَى Except to get us closer, nearness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then the shirk is shirk al-uluhiyyah, not rububiyyah. They're saying it with their own mouths. They say, مَا نَعْبُدُهُمْ We are not worshipping. We're only worshipping who? These idols or these ma'budat that we're worshipping, we're only worshipping them for what? We're only worshipping them nearness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. مَا نَعْبُدُمْ إِلَّا لِيُقَرِّبُونَ إِلَى اللَّهِ زُلْفَى Zulfa here means nearness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. To get us closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. إِنَّ اللَّهَ يَحْكُمُ بَيْنَهُمْ Allah will judge between them يَوْمُ الْقِيَامَةِ Allah will judge them. إِنَّ اللَّهَ يَحْكُمُ بَيْنَهُمْ فِي مَا هُمْ فِيهِ يَخْتَرِفُونَ Allah will subhanahu wa ta'ala judge between them the day of judgment in that which they dispute in. إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يَهْدِي مَنْ هُوَ كَاذِبٌ كَفَّارٌ Allah He does not guide a liar and a disbeliever. So that is the evidence for qurbah. Their reasoning was to get near to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Was that enough as, uh, if, uh, as an excuse? Did the Prophet accept that excuse from them? Did Allah accept that excuse from them? Better happened. No one accept that from them. The evidence for shafa'ah is what? وَيَعْبُدُونَ They worship مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ besides Allah مَا لَا يَضُرُّهُمْ Those who cannot harm them. وَلَا يَنْفَعُهُمْ And those that cannot benefit them. وَيَقُولُونَ And they say هَأُولَاءِ شُفَعَاءُنَا عِنْدَ اللَّهِ And then they say These are our intercessors. They are interceders. They intercede on our behalf. Look what they say. وَيَقُولُونَ هَأُولَاءِ هَأُولَاءِ شُفَعَاءُنَا عِنْدَ اللَّهِ These that we're worshipping, you see us worshipping, they are nothing but شُفَعَاءُنَا عِنْدَ اللَّهِ That's what they are. Allah Tabarak wa Ta'ala, He says, قُلْ أَتُنَبِّئُونَ اللَّهِ Are you informing Allah بِمَا لَا يَعْلَمُ فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ وَلَا فِي الْأَرْضِ سُبْحَانَهِ وَتَعَالَى عَمَّا يُشْرِكُونَ Allah Tabarak wa Ta'ala, 
In the previous verse, when it came to the Qurbah, Allah dismantled their claim, which is they're liars. And they are kuffar. Liars for what? Liars because they are lying by thinking that they're going to get nearness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through the uh, uh, shirk that they're doing. The shirk distances you from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's a lie to think that shirk will get you closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Shaitan beautified shirk for them to make them think that they're going to get closer to Allah by it. And the second one was Ashafa'a intercession. They were doing it for intercession. Now, today, look at the ones who call on to other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They will give you the same reason. The same reason, even the same examples. For example, they will say to you, if you want to go to a CEO of a company, can you just walk into his office without any invitation? Do you go through his receptionist or do you go to him directly? Is it not disrespect for you to not go through his receptionist and you just go directly to his door? Yani, they are comparing Allah to the creation. The creation, yeah, of course, he wants you to come through his receptionist and then come to him after that. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who said to you, وَإِذَا سَأَلَكَ عِبَادِي عَنِّي فَإِنِّي قَرِيبٌ أُجِيبُ دَعْوَةَ الدَّعِي إِذَا دَعَانِ I am close. What nearness are you looking for? I'm close. Ask me, beg me, supplicate. I will give you what you want. Also, Allah wa ta'ala, he says, وَإِيَمْسَسْكَ اللَّهُ بِضُرٍ فَلَا كَاشِفَ لَهُ إِلَّهُ if Allah Taala sends onto you a calamity, and that calamity befalls you, there is no one who can remove it from you. No one. Except Him. Ponder here. Allah brings you a problem. You can't have children, for example. Or you have a certain illness, and you went to all the doctors, and they, they've not done anything for you. Allah is saying no one can remove that except if Allah Taala wills. The creation can't do it. Why are you begging the creation? The ayah is clearly telling you go to him subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why would you go to anyone else? So it is upon brothers and sisters, every Muslim, every slave, to turn towards Allah in his, in his totality. And don't look at any of the creations. Don't look at any of those. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala go to him directly, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Without a doubt, the prophets are noble and they're righteous. And of course, the angels are noble and they're righteous. They're not the same as an idol or a tree. Without a doubt. But the hack of the right of worship is only for Allah. It's only for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is something that not, cannot be given to anyone else. Okay. The author then says, Rahimahullah, Shafa'atun Shafa'atun Muthbatatun. 
after he told us that the reasoning why Quraysh and those the Prophet fought against were worshipping other than Allah, which was Qurba and Shafa'ah, the author rahimahullah, now goes into speaking about a bit about the Shafa'ah. The Shafa'ah are two types. Shafa'atun manfiyatun, a negated intercession and an affirmed intercession. The Shafa'ah manfiyah and the Shafa'ah muthbata, what are they? Let's start with the first one, which is Fashafa'atul Manfiya. Shafa'a Manfiya is min It is the Shafa'a, the intercession that is looked for, it's sought from other than Allah, from someone who's dead, or someone who's alive but is unable to do it, or someone who's absent. Anyone who lacks these three cannot do it for you. He's not Hayyun, he's not alive. He is not Hayyun Hadir and he is and he's Qadir. He is Hay and he is Qadir and he is uh, he's Hay, he's alive, he's not dead. He is also Qadir and he is also Hadir, he's present with you. If he meets those three qualities, you can ask. It's not Shirk. Any of those three are missing then it is impermissible. So what do they do? The shafa'a al-manfiya, the negated shafa'a is ma kanat tutlabu min ghayrillah. It's asked from other than Allah. So it's asked for someone who's dead. So it's not hay. Or he's not qadir. So he's, want, he's what? He's alive but he's unable to do it. Or he's dead. And of course he can't do it. And last but not least, he's ghaib, he's absent. So for example, someone is not with us right now in another country, without communicating to that person, I say to that person in, in, in India, for example, I say to them, can you get me that water? Now, that is something he can do. And he is alive. He would be able to do it if he was here. But he's absent. So, those three makes it a, a shirk action. You're asking from someone other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. All the nusus that speak about it are And also from the things that a person who is alive and is present with you can't do for you sometimes is to forgive you. You can't ask that person, I want this sin that I did yesterday uh, for, me, for you to forgive me. No, it's Allah who is forgiving. If it's the person's rights, the person can forgive you for his rights that you did, what you wronged him in. But the rights between you and Allah, He can't forgive you for it. Or you ask the person for, can you send rain on us? We really want rain. Or I want you to give me children. Okay? I want you to give me children. And things like that. The author, Rahimullah, then brought in evidence and he said, ta'ala. The evidence that there is a shafa'a which is manfiya, a negated shafa'a is qawluhu ta'ala Ya ayyuhalladhina amanu anfiqu mimma razaqanakum min qabli an ya'tiya yawmun la bay'un fihi wala khulla wala khullatun wala shafa'a wal kafirun humud zalimun Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says those of you who believe Anfiqu, give me ma razaqanakum, that which we have given you. 
min qabli before an yatiya yawmul la bay'un a day when there comes there is no bay' wala khulla and there is no brotherhood wala shafa'atun and there is no intercession wal kafiruna humul zalimuna and the disbelievers are the transgressors that they are the oppressors so this shafa'ah is the negated which is wala shafa'ah Allah negated the shafa'ah here and it is the shafa'ah that is done from other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then we have al muthbata, the affirmed shafa'ah. The affirmed shafa'ah, it is requested from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Min Allah. Allah is the one that's been asked here. And the one who is doing the shafa'ah is an honorable one to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the third one, which is al-mashfu'i lahu, is also ukrimah bima fihi al-khayru lahu. And the third one, so the three, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one that's been asked. And the one who's going to do the inter- intercession, who's going to stand up to do the intercession, is one Allah tabarak wa ta'ala. And Allah gives permission, number one. The one who is doing the intercession is an honorable one to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the third one is, the one that it's being done for is an honorable one to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yani he's a Muslim. The only exception here is Abu Talib. Abu Talib is taken out of that. He's done, intercession was done for him. Al-Mashfu'i lahu, Abu Talib, he, intercession was given and he's the only, only exception here. Bis, khalas, no one else. Other than that, Known disbeliever is al ilahu when it comes to the shafa'atul khasa. The shafa'atul amma, the general intercession where the Prophet asks Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to judge between the creation, Muslim and non Muslim will receive that one. But the, 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 the specific intercession, so specifically, that's only going to be for the believers. It's not going to be for the disbelievers. And the author, rahimahullah, Mention those intercessions, the manfiya and the muthbata. And now the evidence is for the muthbata. The affirmed shafa'a is what? Man dhaladhi yashfa'indahu illa bi'idhni. Man dhaladhi yashfa'indahu illa bi'idhni. That's the evidence for the affirmed shafa'a. Bukhari narrated in his sahih min hadith Abi Hurairah. That the Prophet وسلم, he said, Man Abu Huraira asked the Prophet this question. He said, Ya Rasulullah, the day of judgment. Who's going to be the most happiest person for your intercession, the day of judgment? The messenger said to Abu Huraira, ya Abu Huraira. I always knew Abu Huraira. That no one would ask me this question before you. When I saw how eager and how enthusiastic you are uh, in regards to learning the hadiths. Then the messenger said, nasi, The most happiest person for my shafa'a. is who? Man qala la ilaha illallah. The one who says la ilaha illallah. خَالِصًا سَنْسِيلِ مِنْ قِبَلِ نَفْسِهِ خَالِصًا مِنْ قَلْبِهِ Some riwayat say. That's sincerely from the bottom of your heart. 
Only for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you say, La ilaha illallah. So the prophets are going to give intercession the day of judgment. The prophets are going to give intercession the day of judgment. The day of, the, the day of judgment. The salihuna, the righteous people are going to do intercession. The martyrs are going to do intercession that day. The angels are going to do intercession that day. And they're going to be asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Allah yu'adhiba man istahaqqa nara min ahli tawheed. Well, they're going to be asking, Ya Allah, this person is a muwahid. Don't punish him. Or they will ask Allah to take a people who are already entered the hellfire, but they are from what? Min ahli? Min ahli tawheed. They will ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to take them out of the hellfire. So their intercession is either going to be a group of people to stop them from entering the hellfire in the first place. Ya Allah, don't take these people to the hellfire, even though they deserve it. They're muwahidun. They came with Tawheed, their Tawheed did not get corrupt. Or the second which is, they already are in the hellfire. And the prophets and the angels and the righteous people and the, 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 the martyrs will ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to take these people out of the hellfire. That's how it would happen. I'm going to stop there inshallah ta'ala. Anything which I have said that was wrong or incorrect is from me and shaitan and Allah and his messenger are both free from it. Subhanakallah wa bihamdi ashadu wa la ilaha illallah astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayh. I'm going to take your questions, inshallah ta'ala, until the end. Is there a proof that the Qur'an will intercede? Yes, there is evidence that the Qur'an will intercede. There are evidence to show that the Qur'an will intercede. The Prophet Wasallam he said, Read the Qur'an, for verily it will come as an intercession for its people, the Day of Judgment. So that's the evidence for it. And your righteous actions will intercede for you. Recently, I have enrolled in a UK-based law university and before I asked my teacher regarding the principle that if people legislate other than what Allah has legislated, then this could nullify one's Islam. He told me if your intentions is good and not in and not work in haram, then Allah would provide halal means and inshallah after this UK law degree, I plan to write Sharia law. Is it permissible to go through the UK law studies just for the degree? There was a fatwa Sheikh Abdul Aziz ibn Abdullah ibn Baz gave regarding this, the issue of studying Qanun uh, and law. Inshallah, I don't recall the conditions and everything he gave. Um, but inshallah ta'ala, I will get that ready. Inshallah ta'ala, next Friday, I'll answer that question for you. Just Can you just post that question to my kalima email? Inshallah, send it to my kalima email. And uh, I will respond to uh, it on Friday when I come. Uh, so if you can just send it to me tonight or today, um, then inshallah ta'ala, I will respond. Um, on Friday, so I can get the answer ready for you, inshallah ta'ala. Uh, Assalamu alaikum. Please explain in short Tawheedul Rububiyyah and, and, and Uluhiyah. Okay. Tawheedul Rububiyyah is singling Allah in the actions Allah does. Singling Him in those actions. Every action that we know Allah does, we single Him in it. We don't associate partners with Allah in those actions. So for example, we don't say Allah creates and the creation creates. No, we don't say that. Allah is the only creator and etc. 
Tawheed al-Uluhiyyah is the actions of ibadah that you do, you single Allah in it. So for example, when you pray, you pray for Allah alone. When you supplicate, you supplicate to Allah alone. When you slaughter, you slaughter for Allah alone. When you make an oath, you make the oath for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. And in the name of Allah alone. Your actions is uluhiyah. The actions of Allah is rububiyah. Uh, salam, if I join Imam in second rak'ah and after the Imam says salam and I get up to complete my missing rak'ah, do I have to make yadain again? Every tashahud, you do raf'ul yadain. So you do raf'ul yadain in the middle tashahud and also the last tashahud if you are going to carry on. You're going to have to do, do raf'ul yadain, raise your hands. So, in simple, yes, you you have to raise uh, you raise your hands over there. It's not a must, but it's good to raise your hand there, or you can raise your hand there. If a person asks the other brother to remember him in du'as, is it considered as intercession? And how much recommended? And how much recommended it is to ask others to make du'a for you if you can directly make du'a for yourself in the first place. Asking other people to make du'a for you is one of the three permissible tawassul. There are three types of tawassul that are allowed. The first tawassul that is allowed is asking someone who is righteous to make du'a for you. That is permissible. If the person is alive, uh, you, can say to make t- you can ask the person to make du'a for you. Even that though it is better to go to Allah directly yourself because you're missing out an act of worship. You should connect yourself and bond yourself with Allah yourself. Your, your, yourself. Um, and you should avoid making it something very frequent to consistently go to someone and say, can you make dua for me? Can you make dua for me? And you rarely do it. Because when you make dua for yourself, not only do you get rewarded for the... Uh, not, not only are you getting, inshallah ta'ala, get your dua accepted, but you're also in an act of worship. Dua is an act of worship. So you're missing out that act of worship, the reward for it. You're missing that out. So it is best to avoid it uh, all the time, going to someone and asking them to make dua for you. But it is allowed for you to say to someone, make dua for me, it is allowed. Of course, that person is alive. Assalamu alaikum, Mr. How would we catch up with the initial part? Uh, it's recorded, so it's going to be online, inshallah ta'ala. You can watch it uh, online. The first part that's missing. What is the sifat of the honorable person? The sifat of the honorable person is he combines between sincerity and following the Messenger. He's mukhlis, sincere, and he's muttabi' of the Prophet. That's the characteristics of a, a uh, honorable person. Uh, sorry, Ustad, should I send in the Kalima email or your personal email? I don't know your personal email. No, send it to my Kalima email, inshallah ta'ala. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Is it permissible to give zakat to direct descendants of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and consider the fact that they are poor and needy? Um, the... The family of the Prophet وسلم, are a people we, we love, we appreciate them, we love them um, because they are the f- from the Prophet We honor those people, we don't hurt them. And the Messenger وسلم, left us behind telling us about his family and not to be 
uh, bad towards his family So someone is from the descendant of the Prophet Without shadow of a doubt, the good that you do with the good intention that you come with is a reward itself, inshallah ta'ala. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. I have read some tulab distinguished between du'as. Dua that one does to a person in daily like life, like bring me water, make dua for me, etc. And two, dua one does as worship with love, humility, fear, or dua to which one only can or dua to which only Allah can provide. So they say if a person comes to the grave believing the dead can hear based on some evidence and say like they say to any other person also oh so and so make dua for me with no humility, fear and love then this not shirk but just a way to shirk. How correct is this? Can you explain between the difference? Shirk, uh, but just a way to shirk. How correct is this? Can you explain between different types of dua? Jazakallah khairan. This is uh, a false belief to say that, and it's again an ideology that's recently been pushed regards to the concept of shirk. What does shirk mean? What does ibadah mean? What does ilah mean? And etc. Now it's just become a ongoing dialogue by a group of people who are trying to push that agenda. And this argument is Oham in Bayt al-Ankabu. It's a very weak argument. And it shouldn't be given much weight. Anyone who goes to a grave and asks the person in the grave to give him something has to by default believe in that this person has uh, with him, that this person has tasarruf, uh, control, has ability. Um, and that's go, that goes against the th- one of the three, that, three points that we mentioned, which is he's asking someone who's not hayyun, he's asking someone who's not qadir, and he's asking someone who is not, uh, who's not hadir, who's not present with you. So it falls under the, shir- the dua that Allah Taala warned us against. This person has gone against that ayah. وَأَنَّ الْمَسَاجِدَ لِلَّهِ فَلَا تَدْعُوا مَعَ اللَّهِ أَحَدًا وَإِذَا سَأَلَكَ عِبَادِي عَنِّي فَإِنِّي قَرِيبٌ أُجِيبُ دَعْوَةَ الدَّاعِ إِذَا دَعْنِ It goes against all of those nusus. And dua is a ibadah. A dua, the Prophet said, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, hadith tirmidhi, a dua huwa al-ibadah. And if dua is ibadah, sarfuha لِغَيْرِ اللَّهِ It becomes shirk. So, the time that the dua for anyone other than Allah is allowed is when the person does it with those three conditions. If the person is present and he's able to do it and he's, and he's alive, then it becomes permissible. The Quran and the Sunnah show that. The Nusus, the Quran, and the Sunnah, when you follow it up, we realize you can ask someone, hey, can you pass me that charger over there, for example? That's fine because he's hayyun hadir and he's bima yaqadiru Other than that, the ibadat are two types. Ibadah that you can't do for anyone other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you do it, the mere action by itself can render you to be disbelief. 
And there are some actions that you can do for the creation and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the intention then is requested. Why did you do this action? And inshallah ta'ala, the more we go into other bigger, bigger books, we will take these issues in greater detail inshallah ta'ala. But that point inshallah ta'ala is not valid and is very weak. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Ustad, aslu tawheed refers to tawheedul uluhiyya, correct? When the scholars they say tawheed unrestrictedly, unrestrictedly, when we say so and so came with tawheed, for example, so and so came with tawheed, we're referring to tawheedul uluhiyya, not tawheedul rububiyya. Fulan is a muwahid, we mean a tawheedul uluhiyya. It refers to tawheedul uluhiyya, not tawheedul rububiyya. So the key point is that here. That a person in, in the grave cannot make dua, that is why it is shirk to ask that person in the grave. Now, yani I told you, you're asking someone who's not alive. You're asking someone who's not able. You're asking someone who is not, uh, who's not present. And so it misses all of those conditions. If a person asks a person, for something that they are alive and they're able to do, it's permissible. فَاسْتَغَاثَهُ الَّذِي مِنْ شِيَعَتِهِ عَلَى الَّذِي مِنْ عَدُوِّهِ Allah told us that Musa السلام, the man called Musa for help. He said, help me from this person. Musa was hayyun, alive. Musa's hay, he's alive. Also, Musa is qadir, he's able to help this man. Musa is able to. Hayyun hadir. Bima yaqadiru alayhi and he's asking Hayyun uh, and he's present with him. Musa is alive, he's present and he's able to do this thing. Flip that same situation or that same scenario. You ask someone who's in the grave to help you regarding a person who's causing you harm. It turns to shirk because it misses these conditions. Ustad, may Allah preserve you and honor you in this dunya and the hereafter. My wife wants to know, can a woman touch or read from Mus'haf for Quran class while she is in her menses or should the class be postponed? Jazakallahu khairah. This issue, what seems to be strongest to me and knowledge is with Allah alone is that there is no clear-cut evidence to really strengthen the view that a woman um, can't touch the Mus'haf while she's on her menstruation. And I don't see a strong Evidence that proves that the woman cannot touch the mushaf while she's on her while she's on her menses. The evidences are either weak or the dalala, the indication in the uh, had, uh, ayah or the hadith doesn't show what they what is being used for. So, a woman can touch the mushaf while she's on her menses. She can read the Quran as well. But it, would, it isn't something I would advise someone to, a sister to do. I wouldn't advise her to do it. I would advise her to take a cloth or something and to hold it on it if she has to. If she puts gloves on and she turns it over with gloves, or she uses a pen and she turns it over with a pen, that would be better uh, than her touching it, inshallah ta'ala. So there's a difference between uh, it being halal or haram, I believe it to be permissible, but I don't believe it to be the tariq which is ahwad, it's not the safest path. And in other words, there are greater scholars 
who hold, and I believe it to be halal, but I believe to be on the safer side is better here. I believe it is better to be on the safer side and to just avoid doing that. And Allah has greater knowledge, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Can you elaborate on different types of dua, dua, mas'ala, and dua, ibadah, etc.? Jazakallahu khairan. The dua are two types according to the scholars. The dua, first, dua, first type is dua al-ibadah. Dua al-ibadah is every action in the religion that we generally do, like as-salah, al-zakah, as-sawm, al-hajj, all of those are dua. Because through those actions, we're asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for jannah, and we're asking Allah to protect us from the hellfire. The dua al-mas'ala is the one that generally people know of, which is to supplicate. It's to beg Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and ask him for help. There's a kitab written by Sheikh Abdul, Abdul Razak ibn Abdul Muhsal Abad. It's called Fiqh al-Dua'i wal-Adhkar. It's a very good book. I encourage you to read it. You'll benefit a lot from it. A lot of benefits are written in that book. Extensive benefits. Also, there is the Kitab Al-Wabil Al-Sayyib by Ibn Al-Qayyim. And Al-Imam Al-Khattabi, rahimahullah, has a kitab called Sha'nu Al-Dua. I encourage you to read that kitab, inshallah ta'ala, as well. Any other question? Is it sunnah to make dua after the obligatory prayer? <laughs> yeah, the Prophet sallallahu he taught Mu'adh ibn Jabalin to say after the prayer, Allahumma inni ala dhikrika wa shukrika wa husna ibadatik. The person can make, they make, they make, they make those duas that have come from the Prophet But what is not sunnah is to do it in a congregation. Everybody doing it together. There is no evidence for that. But individually, yes, there are evidences for it. I'll stop there, inshallah ta'ala. Barakallahu feekum. Wa jazakumullahu khayran. May Allah honor you all and bestow his never-ending mercy onto you. Jazakumullahu khayran. Wa barakallahu feekum.